You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's great company, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football. Bring you the latest in CFL news and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! Hey, thanks for pressing play on the 2 and Out CFL podcast. It's Travis Curra, it's Sheldon Jones, and I think the question that everyone's been getting asked lately, Sheldon, is if you're a Swifty or not. What say you? Of course. Who isn't a Swifty? Man, shake it off. Come on. If we could somehow get a shirt, a two and out shirt on Taylor Swift, it would be the biggest podcast on the planet. You just wait. I'll make something up. <laughs> I've been playing with some logos that you don't know about. <laughs> Come on. If we could uh, hitch our wagon to the T Swizzle train, man, we'd be rolling in the dough. Hey, let's make a little love story. Come on. <laughs> We may, I may have some bad blood against some Stamps fan. Wow. And Darren just needs to shake it off. Yeah. <laughs> he has shaken it off. Well, he has. I We're guess good. Me and him are good. Yeah, let's pull back the curtain. Uh, Darren is a faithful to and out listener, and him and Sheldon have had it out over their opposing opinions of the Calgary Stampeders. And uh, this past week, when the Stamps lost to the Alouettes, <laughs> Darren apologized. To the one and only Sheldon Jones says that the Stampeders are not a good football team. I mean, the Riders aren't either, so it's okay. Like, we're just two miserable fans who have teams to cheer for. It's all good. I feel like when somebody tells you you're right, your ego might grow exponentially like Brazilians tie, Brazilian ties. So watch out, man. You know, it, it does feel nice to be right every now and then because I'm wrong a lot and I you get are. told how wrong I am a lot. <laughs> and you know what? It's cool. Look, it's men cool. lifting men up. I love it. <laughs> oh, I'm here for it. And lifting me up is freaking hard. <laughs> Uh, big news of the CFL this week regarding the Grey Cup Festival. Carrie Underwood headlining the Built in the Hammer Grey Cup Festival. I feel but like not this half is, time. Yeah, it's not half time. Now I don't want to put this into the universe, but the halftime performer probably has to be on the same level, if not uh, a little bit higher. No, I, I think this is a big high-profile get for the Grey Cup Festival, and now I'm really looking forward to what else they're going to come up with. You would think so, and since the Grey Cup's not in Regina, it should actually be somebody good, because Lord knows, other than flying snowmobiles, we haven't had the best uh, halftime acts for Grey Cups in Regina, but yeah, no, like, even... This is great. Like, say what you want about Carrie Underwood. She's Carrie Underwood. Like, she's... She's she sold name like power? 85 million records, I think. Yeah. And yeah, so like that's a great get and it's it's nothing but great for the for the league. Yeah, it looks like uh Hamilton's putting out pulling out all the stops. They're going to be able to have the Grey Cup Festival their way. It was a little bit uh abbreviated in 2021, but this time 
they're uh, they're pulling out all the stops. I'm looking forward to being in the Hammer again this November. Uh, gotta give a you a note that the CFL trade deadline is coming next Wednesday. It's never a big day in the CFL, but something could happen. Um, it's always tough for a new, especially in football. It's such a game of preparation for yeah. uh, somebody to switch teams and get involved into an offense or a defense right away and uh, take off. But we could see some things happening in the next week. And this game that starts week 17, I think we were all excited for it. We all had it circled on our calendars. But... Uh, it's kind of lost its luster a little bit. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers are seven and a half point favorites over the Toronto Argonauts here. The over-under set at 49. Well, it looks like the Argos with first place locked up with a month to go that uh, they're going to be resting some players. And they started last week. Looks like Cameron Dukes is going to get uh, most of the snaps behind center. We might see Chad Kelly here, but Cameron Dukes might be the guy taking the bulk of the snaps for the Argos, and I guess it's just a side effect of the schedule. The Grey Cup rematch probably should have happened earlier in the year. Teams should probably visit each CFL city every year. But now that we've got the whole uh, COVID schedule, try I, I get it. I know what they're trying to do. Save on travel costs. But this was going to be a showdown in more ways than one. First in the West, first in the East. Probably the dueling MOPs going against each other. Now we're only going to see one, Sheldon. Yeah, I, I don't think you can... It sucks for the fans, but I don't think you can blame uh, Dinwiddie for not putting Kelly in there. Not uh, mad at the Argos, but no, it it is disappointing overall. Yeah, I, it's the old dad. I'm not mad. Yeah. I'm just disappointed, exactly. which is worse. <laughs> to yeah, be honest, I'd rather but... uh, pure rage than disappointment. <laughs> yeah, but like Winnipeg, Winnipeg has something to play for, and Toronto does not. So. Um, why would you risk having Kelly in there to get blitzed and to possibly get hurt? Um, if if the Bombers are up crazy or if the Argos somehow get up crazy, then maybe you throw him in there just to so he doesn't build up that rust. But I, it this year has been so crazy that the games that we thought were going to be amazing kind of were duddy, and then there's some that we thought yeah. were going to be terrible, and they turned out to be amazing. So I think... I think we're still going to get a good game. Obviously, Winnipeg's going to be playing to keep pace or stay above pace with BC because I think everyone's riding off the riders in BC this week. So Winnipeg needs to win this game. Um, but we'll see what happens. Like Toronto has shown that even without Olette, even without some of the other players, like they they still beat Hamilton pretty handily last week. So we'll see what happens. And it's very important that your backup get some reps. So I kind of get what the Argos are doing. They won the Grey Cup. I was just going to say, yeah. Last year, with McLeod Bethel-Thompson being forced out of the game, Chad Kelly comes in and and the rest is kind of history. I think if we kind of look at it, (laughs) Kelly did. They made a a big, there was a big, what, second and long run that he uh, converted a first down on. But those reps uh, can come 
very important later, and we oh. haven't really seen many reps from Cameron Dukes, and he's going to be facing a very impressive team. So it's not like he's going to be going against backups either. So good for him. Let's see he, how he handles the assignment this weekend. The Bombers, on the other hand, they're coming off the bye. So, and, and you know, Zach, Chad Kelly or not, when he's got something to prove, at least when he feels like he has something to prove, it seems like, he comes out and just smashes teams. And believe it or not here, the Argos have given up 24 passing TDs. That's the second most in the CFL to the Ottawa Red Blacks. I don't know. I, I just see this as a Zach Kolaris game. Kenny the Kings on a streak. Four consecutive games with a touchdown. I, I do feel like the third consecutive sellout in a row, well, that's redundant, but at IG Field, they're going to come out flying, and uh, I think they're going to try to bury the Argos early. Yeah, and Zach has been a killer coming off the bye in the past. Like he, uh, So Mike O'Shea always has his team ready, and it seems like they use their buys correctly, and they come out strong, so... It should be a molly whopping for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but uh, stranger things have happened. Uh, they have got off to some slow starts at home, so we'll see what happens there. Super slow start in the Banjo Bowl, you know, giving up a field goal, and then, <laughs> man. But, you know, I think I still think it's going to be a good game, but I do think it's going to be potentially – it could get out of hand quickly. Like, Do, do you quickly. think the Bombers will – play with a more vanilla playbook. There's a lot of talk that the Argos will, and they don't want to put anything on film for this possible Grey Cup rematch in the works. But these teams have already put 15 weeks of stuff on film. Like, does it really matter? Like, football coaches are just so damn paranoid, it's annoying sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, and but Mike O'Shea is one of those coaches that is, I'd say, he's like the most game, like, he's the most over the top with his gamesmanship, I would say, uh, the head he coaches. Is, yeah. So um, I, I don't expect them to put anything new in, for sure. Yeah. But Winnipeg, they do what they do. <laughs> Caleros gets in trouble, he scrambles, and his receivers get open for him. So there's there's not much new that they need to put in there. But come playoffs, they will have some wrinkles, and they're not going to show the Argos or any other team them yet. So I, I think if Kelly was playing it, it was going to be a pretty vanilla game. Uh, I, I think it probably would have been a lower scoring game if Kelly was playing just because they, they would be running the ball a lot more. So I think, I hope they're going to let Cameron go and just treat it like a regular play, regular game and see what he can do. Let him make some mistakes, let him rebound from mistakes. Cause as we saw in the great cup last year, you're only as good as your backup. Cause Kelly might not have done a lot, but he didn't lose the game. Stayed poised. Yeah. And, you know, the Bombers this year have struggled against quarterbacks they don't have much film on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trey Ford got off to a 22 nothing lead on them. Uh, uh, Dustin Crum beat them <laughs> early in his run as the starter for the Red Blacks. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens here at IG Field. One thing to note from this game uh, it could be a milestone for Nick Dembski. Um, 
eclipsing a thousand yards. Brady Oliveira has a thousand yards. They would be the first. This is incredible. Canadians that uh, have a thousand receiving and a thousand rushing yards on the same team in CFL history. Now, not only are they from the same country, they're from the same province, the same city, and the same high school. Nick Dembski, Brady Oliveira, just dominating this year. Incredible performances. And this is why it's tough that one of these guys are going to get recognized as most outstanding Canadian. They almost deserve to be dual MOCs here. But Dembski is 69 yards short of reaching 1,000 for the first time in his career. It feels like he's always been in there, but sometimes he's getting, you know, 300 rushing yards throughout the course of a season or something like that. Um, but 1K for the first time for Nick Dembski. I, I think that's uh, kind of surprising, but also uh, it's cool to see. It is. He's he's fought his, or had his share of injuries, uh, so yeah. I think that's that's kind of hurt his chances for a 1,000 before. But, yeah, he the way he plays, you would think he's like a perennial 1,000-yard yeah. receiver. So. Uh, I hope he can do it for himself. Uh, 69 yards. That's all he needs. So, well, give him 69. Get him yeah, right there. Exactly. To the yard. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a nice game. It'd be very nice. <laughs> if we do look at the um, injury report for the Bombers, uh, Dalton shown right now listed as questionable. He didn't practice mon- Monday, was limited on Wednesday. I think he's been dealing with some nagging stuff uh uh, all year, but he seems to get in there and make the plays. So we'll see if yeah. Schoen does get on the field. Uh, Jackson Jeffcoat listed as uh, questionable, and so is Theadric Hampson. But it does look like he may be able to make his return uh, a little over a year after the Achilles injury last year. It would be good to see him back onto the field. As for the Argos, it, it doesn't look like Witten McManus will play. Jamal Peters won't play. Cam Phillips won't play. Yeah, there are some heavy hitters not going to be playing for the Argos, so we're going to have to wait. If it does happen, anything can happen in the playoffs, but we're going to have to wait to maybe Grey Cup Sunday to see full-strength Argos and Bombers matchup, which feels a little bit too long to wait, but if we got to do it, we got to do it. The second half of the Friday Night Doubleheader has the BC Lions in their annual Orange Shirt Day at BC Place. Ten and a half point favorites over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, 10,000 redesigned orange shirts are going to be given away at the gates. There, uh, they're going to have, I think this is awesome, an indigenous marketplace, a halftime show from the Haluchi Nation, formerly known as a uh, tribe called Red, the BC Lions 50-50. If you buy your tickets, you're also entered to win one of the uh, warm-up jerseys, the orange and white warm-up jerseys that the Lions will be wearing, and I guess we should mention National Day for Truth and Reconciliation is this Saturday, and every game this weekend in the CFL is going to be having uh, teams warm up with the orange and white jerseys. They'll be auctioned off, proceeds going to the correct causes, and it's really cool. And it, it, it worked for BC from the beginning because of the, the orange. I mean, it does work out to hand out to, to their home fans, but to see the entire league 
uh, take it seriously this year and get behind the initiative. Uh, that's what makes us stronger as a country and stronger as a league to uh, be involved in these important causes in Canada. And uh, it's an important one, and it's just good to see from the league, man. Yeah, I th- and I think there's only a couple teams that haven't done the logos. The Riders and the Owls, I think, are the only teams that don't have Yeah, I don't think the, the Alouettes do. I mean, yeah. shout out to both the Riders and the Alouettes for making visits to Indigenous yeah. communities in their respective provinces. They just don't have yeah. the, the logos out right now. But the ones that we have seen, we've seen new ones from Stampeders this week which is, I think, cool. They're going to be wearing that helmet in Hamilton. And the Red Blacks unveiling one designed by Argo Fluffy on Mm -hmm. Twitter. They've adopted that. They're going to be selling hats with that logo on it. But uh, we haven't seen from the Riders and Alouettes yet, but uh, maybe it is coming. Um, But, yeah, the league supporting the initiative overall is pretty cool. Absolutely. Now, when we talk on the field stuff, it does look like Frankie Hickson is going to get his second consecutive start. Jamal Morrow was at practice, but Hickson is going to be getting the ball again. Now, uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks are a tough uh, team to run against. But when the Riders gave Hickson the ball, they were running some different run plays and they were having success. They just didn't give him the ball enough. And, Man, Sheldon, I just kind of want to mention this. Seven out of the nine teams in the CFL are giving up more than five yards a carry. I I feel like it just hasn't been a focus for defenses because offenses aren't taking advantage of what the defense is giving them as far as the run game goes. That being said, the Lions are another team that are very hard to run against. How do the Riders have that same success against BC like they did early on against Ottawa? By continuing to call running plays. Yeah, you see, it seems simple. Kiss, keep it simple, stupid, but... (laughs) Well, and you you see, like, Godber is questionable now. He hasn't practiced at all this week, and they have Evan Johnson at center right now, so that's (laughs) scary. Uh, But... He was averaging six yards a carry last week, right? Like, if you give him the ball, then odds are you're going to be in second and medium, second and short. It's a lot easier to convert a second and medium or second and short over a second and long. So these these coaches, and specifically Jeffrey, he needs to stop out coaching himself. Maybe he was thinking that they were going to think that he was going to run, so he's going to pass. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but... Just run the ball, set up your passing. It's it's not hard. <laughs> I think a lot of CFL fans and armchair quarterbacks could be armchair OCs too, but That's it just true. seems <laughs> it just seems like it's that easy because it does. like and it, I don't know, the only other reason I could think of for them to not run in the second half is you're you're worried that he's gonna get hurt or something like that, but I got to go on a rant here. Like I think Dave or Craig Dickinson is trying to, you know, get some experience for his next job as a daycare worker, because <laughs> I I don't know if you heard this, but he's letting them practice less and watch more film because the boys are tired and they need to get some good sleeps. Like 
nap time in Ryderville? Is that is that what we're at here? Like sleep's important, man. Uh, it, yes, but not, <laughs> so is practice. When okay, you're no. losing games, you need to practice. Uh, and I don't know if this is the case. And look, I have no place to talk about strength and conditioning. I understand that. <laughs> but it seems to have become an issue with Saskatchewan later in the season and later in games. For the second year in a row. Yeah, they're getting beat up in the trenches as the game goes on and as the season goes on. So what's going on? That has to be, I think, what's been going on at practice. Like, aren't you supposed to practice so hard so the fourth quarter becomes quote-unquote easier? And I don't know. It's looking the opposite, man. When I played football in high school, that's what we did. They, when they were making us run, they were saying, "This is so you don't die in the fourth quarter." Yeah. So, yeah. Um, these guys are professional athletes. This is their job. Yeah. Like them, them practicing a little bit harder, especially when they don't hit in practice hardly. Like, you gotta, you gotta build up your cardio. You gotta like. I just, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand. And it's so frustrating. But maybe only have four more, five more games left with him, I think. So I believe the Riders are six and 15 since Labor Day 2022. So that uh, shows you how uh, weak they've been overall over the past 20 games or so. But if we talk about the BC Lions here, uh, it does look like they're going to get a boost to their offense with number 19, Dominic Rimes, ready to rock. This guy is a machine in the red zone. He makes circus catches. He is a big, bad receiver. The Riders are going to need to be uh, looking to limit. I'm assuming Nick Marshall is going to be getting the assignment there. So it is a tall, tall task for the Riders to limit number 19. Uh, We'll see if he'll be able to get right in there and uh, pick up right where he left off, missing several games for the Lions this season. And they've actually had other receivers kind of come up and uh, emerge and have some big games lately, especially Canadians like Javon Katoy and uh, Justin McInnes having some valuable games for that Lions offense. Uh, Suk Chung has not practiced and is not expected to play, dealing with an ankle injury on the offensive line for the Lions. It does look like Andrew Pearson is going to be able to get back into the starting lineup there. Uh, David Mackey hasn't practiced. He's questionable. But it also does look like the Lions defense is going to be able to get Bola Combo back. Uh, the Canadian linebacker as well. So another valuable addition to the Lions starting lineup. I am fascinated to see the Lions this year have destroyed the Riders when it has come to them trying to run the ball. <laughs> like, there have been no room for Rider running backs, Jamal Morrow, to get it done. And some of them, uh, they, <laughs> they basically went backwards all game. But... We'll see what they're able to do with Frankie Hickson. I told you last week, uh, I posted a, on TikTok uh, a highlight reel of Frankie Hickson from last year. The dude looks like Mike Pringle. The, the dude looks like he should be starting on almost any team in the CFL. And what he did last week, yeah, I, I looked it up, over eight yards of carry against Ottawa. Give this guy the ball. That, that's the, the way that the Riders can 
beat the Lions, but the Lions come into this one uh, hot again. And they've been a bit streaky. They, they started hot. They went cold a little bit. But here we are coming in October, and the, the Lions are playing very well again. So if, if the Riders are able to get to VA and they're able to force some mistakes, maybe they've got a chance to win at BC Place. But if we look at the injury report for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, it's pretty long, man. Uh, <laughs> Anthony Lanier II is doubtful again. Uh, defensive back Tremaine Washington is out. Uh, Micah Johnson is uh, dealing with an illness, and uh, he's questionable, actually. Uh, Justin Herdman Reed, linebacker, probably uh, contributes on specials a lot. He's out. So they're dealing with some injuries. And what we've seen from Taquan Mizell of the BC Lions, he had a great game against Edmonton. Will he be able to have a repeat performance against Saskatchewan? Now, and I talked about <laughs> CFL teams struggling against the run this year. Five teams in the league. Five defenses in the league are giving up more than 115 yards a game. Saskatchewan, 126.9 rushing yards a game against. This just looks like if BC is willing to commit to it, Taquan Mizell could have a repeat performance and have a nice game against the green and white. Yeah, if I was Jordan McSimmick, I would just be running the ball the entire first drive and seeing what happens because... In the past three games, the Riders have given up over 750 yards, I believe, rushing in wow. three games. And that's <laughs> sad, but it's something that BC can use to exploit. And hopefully with all this film that they've been watching, they've been figuring out their assignments and making sure that they're able to plug those holes. Um, but yeah, like, you just got to run, you got to roll with the running game until the riders can prove that they can stop it. And then you have a toy, you have McKinnis, you have Hatcher, you have Whitehead, you have Dominic yeah. Ryan's coming back, especially if they set up that run early and they have the, the riders biting on the run, like Vernon Adams could throw for 500 yards easily here. Well, and let's see what the riders are made of. Sometimes it's how you respond. And the way they came out against BC at the end of August, very physical. They looked like a completely different team. If they come out physical again, they've they've got maybe a shot here. But the Lions playing for a home playoff game, the riders playing for their playoff lives. They both have something to play for in this one Friday night in Vancouver. And uh, we'll see who's the most prepared and the most physical come uh, Friday night. And I think we'll be able to tell early on, man, <laughs> who's yeah. who's bringing the energy uh, Friday night. Another game here, Montreal Alouettes are two-point favorites over the Ottawa Red Blacks. The over-under is set at 47. Ottawa playing for their playoff lives. Montreal looking to clinch that playoff spot. They're coming off, I think, a very impressive win against Calgary. Jason Moss calling it their best game of the year, and I would tend to agree here. Uh, they come into this game, I think, a little bit on a roll, although 
on X, uh, I posted the clip of you saying the Riders are the worst team in the CFL. We got a response saying it's the Alouettes as the worst team in the CFL. I, I'm trying to decide if that was a troll or not, but that was an interesting take, I thought. Yeah, and then when backed up with facts, the guy <laughs> did not reply. So maybe it was trolling, or maybe he just realized. He was even he even said, so why did the Riders lose to Edmonton and Ottawa? Uh, yeah, Ottawa. Because they're the worst team in the league. <laughs> like... <laughs> brain cells it's hard sometimes i guess well that, yeah that was quite the i thought interesting take there and and now i feel like the defense is coming on for the alouettes i mean well when you got mondo sewell contributing on both sides of the ball you got darnell sankey coming in sean lemon is playing a very high level again i don't know why we expected anything different well most didn't expect anything different. It's it's wild that it took them that long uh, to get on a roster there. But this this one's going to be a physical battle. That, that's cool. all it's coming down to. And look, the, the Red Blacks, they, they've been playing for their playoff lives for a while now. And it's really just uh, limiting the mistakes. That That's what it comes down to. There's been moments where there's some, you know, preventable mistakes they, they, they've struggled maybe finishing drives at times, and that's not going to get any easier against Montreal. But if they can get to Cody and force him to make mistakes, which, which can happen, yeah. uh, obviously they've got a shot here. And I, I want to highlight a team that has been taking advantage of defenses in the CFL when it comes to running the ball, and that is Ottawa. They have been given the ball – to Devontae Williams, a lot. He's got 758 yards on the season, over five and a half yards a carry. Now, last week, he had 136 yards against Saskatchewan. The week before, struggled to get it going, but they had 18 carries against the BC Lions. He had 17 carries, 146 yards against Hamilton. 12 carries, 84 yards, and a touchdown against Edmonton the week before that. So they have been feeding him the rock. And the more he gets it, the better he is. He is going to be a key, I think, to the Red Blacks winning here. Now, much like Edmonton, Trey Ford opening up holes for Kevin Brown. <laughs> Maybe Devontae Williams opens up holes for Dustin Crum. you got to watch for both those guys. Yeah, like I I don't know if they're going to be able to run over Montreal like they did Saskatchewan yeah, with, you know, not. Sankey and Lemon there. But they are at least trying, and they're consistently trying, and that's what you need to do. You need to have that balance, and it, it's nice to see that some teams are doing that. We, we saw that typically Montreal or Jason Moss offenses don't do that, but last week they did give William Stanbeck a, a – good amount of uh, carries. So it'll be interesting to see if they follow that same formula that they used to have their best game of the year, according to him. Uh, that is the formula, especially when you go into playoffs and you have a guy like William Stanback. <laughs> so uh, for, for Montreal fans, I hope that that happens for Ottawa fans. Keep doing what you're doing because it's, it, it's working. At least it worked last week. No, Here's some concerns for Ottawa that that injury reports a mile long. 
Mm-hmm. Now, some of these guys dealing with uh, illness, Hunter Stewart on the O-line, Dante Bull on the O-line. Uh, who else hasn't practiced? Devontae Williams dealing with an illness. We'll see if he's going to be full strength come yeah. Saturday. Nate Bahar dealing with an ankle injury. Jackson Bennett dealing with a back injury. Uh, <laughs> Jalen Acklin dealing with an illness. Now, he did practice Wednesday, not on Tuesday, so that's good news. But offensive lineman Drew Desjardins dealing with an ankle injury hasn't practiced. Uh, Shaq Evans got the dreaded hamstring slash illness combo injury, so he's not having the best week, hasn't practiced. DB, Sherrod Baltimore, hasn't <laughs> practiced. Like, this is tough. Now, uh, Money Hunter coming off the six-game injury list, veteran defensive back, maybe making his season debut. And Jovan Santos-Knox, after spending what looked like one week on the sixth game, they're pulling him off. And it looks like he'll be ready to go at the linebacker spot, dealing with a dinged-up ankle injury. That injury report is full of vets, full of contributors to the Ottawa Red Blacks lineup, and that uh, makes it tough uh, to beat a team like Montreal, who's very hungry and uh, obviously wants to put that playoff position on lockdown. Uh, it's going to be a tough, and it's in Ottawa where they're not as good as they are when they're on the road. Uh, so things are looking Montreal's way there, but this year anything has happened and yeah, yeah. so let's let him play the game here because if Dustin Crum can get things going and he can use his legs to set up his arm then they can keep it tight and and we've seen that he can handle those fourth quarter comebacks but so can Cody Fajardo That's so true. we could be in for a hot finish in this one and, you know, talked about the Argos giving up the second most passing touchdowns in the league. Well, Ottawa's number one. And with injuries in the secondary and Tyson Philpot coming on for the Alouettes, I like Tyson. I've got him in my lineup. He's 6000 bucks on CFL Fantasy. Presents a pretty good value. Been getting lots of targets. I, uh, I, I like his chances to score this week in the nation's capital. Another interesting note, and this will segue to the next game as well. Defensive lineman Jamal Davis requested his release from the Montreal Alouettes. Wasn't happy with the playing time he was getting. Um, He did get into several games for them uh, this year. 14 games. He's three sacks, 22 tackles, and they released him. Well, Hamilton picks him up for free. So, <laughs> I look, I, I don't know what he told. That, that just looks kind of weird to me, the fact that the Owls gave him up and he's on another East Division team for free, and they could play each other in the, well, they probably will play each other in the East semifinal. Jamal Davis might be giving Jagarid Davis a run for playing time and maybe fighting to get into that defensive end spot. Uh, for the Ticats, but I thought quite the interesting move, and the Ticats making another interesting move on Wednesday, announcing the signing of two-time All-Star veteran receiver Darrell Walker, who was with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders to start the year, I think ended up just getting squeezed off with the emergence of 
Tevin Jones and even Samuel Emelis a little bit here, but interesting signings for the Ticats here late in the season. Yeah. Uh, like I think Daryl Walker is really brought in to be like a safety blanket for Trevor Harris as well, just with their time together uh, mm. in Montreal and Edmonton. So when he got hurt, I think, and you know, Emelis and Jones and, Bain and Stearns, all of them like pulling pulling their weight there. He just became expendable, which sucks because it's pretty business. But we'll see if he can do anything in Hamilton. Uh, I, I don't know if signing in Hamilton's the best spot if you want to get some playoff money. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know, but um, we'll see because they're still in it. Depending, and if 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 Ottawa doesn't have it against Montreal, then Hamilton's right there. So we'll see what they can do. The Ticats home to the Calgary Stampeders where the Tabbies are one and a half point favorites here coming off that loss against the Toronto Argonauts. But overall, over the past little while, the, the Cats have looked, they've looked good. And uh, Taylor Very Powell's cool. looked Looked pretty good. I think sometimes it's tough to remember these starting QBs. They <laughs> they're very young. They they weren't expecting. Well, everybody should prepare to be a starter, but uh, got thrown into the role and I think have performed admirably overall. Some of these young guys that have been getting some meaningful playing time over the last month and a half or so. Uh, this is a game where both teams again fighting for playoff position. The Ticats, they want to have a game at Tim Hortons Field in November. Ideally, they want to have two. That might be tough uh, to pull off, of course. Um, But the Stamps, they're just fighting for their playoff lives, man. I mean, mathematically, they they can get in. But traveling across the country now, it's just... Man, you you got to show that you're going to put the effort in and you want to be on the field next year and you want to put stuff on film so other teams can maybe look at you and bring you in during free agency and training camp and all this stuff. Both teams need to show up and both teams need to put their best foot forward here. It just to me, although the Ticats kind of have struggled on home field this year, 2 and 5 not not the best record. When Tim Hortons Field opened, they were unstoppable there. But now, <laughs> better on the road than at home. It's kind of weird how that's gone. But uh, this feels like a rebounding week for the Ticats. Yeah, well, th- like Calgary's limping in there. Like they're not uh, they're not world beaters, uh, and so. I would say that this is probably the best op- or the best matchup that they could hope for at this time. Uh, if they could get a big win and try to build some momentum uh, going down the stretch here, that would be great for them, great for their fan base. Uh, you know that their fans really want them to be in that Grey Cup game. So hopefully for them they can make it work, but um, it, it's going to be tough. I, I'm interested to see what happens here because both... It's a tight one, I think. It, it's a tight one, but both both teams need to be playing at 110% here. So... Could we get a 45-40 game? Maybe. But could we get a 12-10 to 10 game? Maybe. Like, <laughs> it seems like it's going to be one or the other there. The Calgary Stampeders surrendering 5.9 yards a carry 
So th- this feels like maybe we're going to see uh, James Butler. He's uh, they've they've used him quite a bit. the The success varies from week to week, but I feel like they've committed to using him. And you're paying to get him from the BC Lions in the off season. You better darn well use James Butler. And uh, I think his usage will be high against Calgary Saturday in the hammer. It's going to be nice to see the Stampeders rocking that indigenous uh, logo. I think it'll be uh, great to see. And again, the orange and white jerseys um, in warm-up that uh, maybe you'll have a chance to win in an auction. But you talk about the Stamps limping in here. They've got an injury report that uh, is looking pretty rough as well, especially on the offensive line. If Sean McEwen's not able to go, that's a big absence from the Stampeder O-line. And we we don't know what we're going to get with Jake Mayer sometimes. Sometimes he's he, he can make the toughest throws on the field, and then the next time it's just that rough decision-making that creeps its way in. But I think, again, we got to remember he's a very young quarterback as well. And I just I, – sometimes I feel in the CFL we aren't patient enough with quarterbacks. And, and I get why. It's a nine-team league. We all expect our favorite teams to rebuild in six months and <laughs> and have a shot at the Grey Cup. But uh, – Jake Mayer, I think they're going to be patient with him through this season and probably next. And if he doesn't make that next step next year, then we probably talk about uh, going elsewhere here. But the way he's been looking at Reggie Bagleton, uh, he's got a chance because the the Cats have been uneven on defense as well. And Jake Mayer's got a shot. He's got a shot to put up some... Uh, points and Reggie's got a shot at uh, scoring some points against the tie cats as well. A tight one, I think, to end week 17. All right, so when I built my fantasy lineup, what I like to do is I look at uh, rush defenses and who's really struggling, and I kind of build around that. So take one, Mizell, returning to my lineup for the first time since early in the season. The Ryder Rush defense does not scare me at all, so I, I want Mizell in there. I just hope that they use him. That's uh, my only concern. And as far as Uches goes, I have no worries that the Ottawa Red Blacks will be using Devontae Williams. So he's my other running back in my lineup. Zach Kolaris is my quarterback and my captain. Dalton Schoen is my receiver one. Lucky Whitehead, my receiver two. Tyson Philpot in my flex. And the BC Lions defense, I've got $1,000 left over. So if Schoen isn't going to play, maybe I'll switch him out for Kenny the King or something like that. What's uh, your lineup looking like, Sheldon? Uh, well, my captain is Vernon Adams Jr. because he's playing the Riders. Uh <laughs> Which usually actually backfires because <laughs> if I pick them against the Riders, then they don't do well. Uh, see, you actually put a lot of thought in tears, and I just put players in and <laughs> see what happens. Uh, like Tetris. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually really good Although at Although there's thought in Tetris, by the way. 
true. Uh, <laughs> so my running backs, I had Brady Oliveira because, you know, they're looking to win, so they're going to keep pr- ground and pound in there. Uh, I do have Kadeem Carey. I think he's still cheap enough that he it's is. In, only 7,000. So cheap enough to gamble there. Um, and then for my receivers, I have Keon Hatcher and Lucky Whitehead just to try to combo up with Vernon Adams there. Uh, my flex is the the dominant Reggie Bagleton because, you know, why, why not? And I'm going with the Calgary St. Peter's defense, and the only reason is just because of how cheap they are. And defense, I haven't been having a good luck with defense getting one or two points. So Neither have I. Yeah. I, I almost picked the Riders in there just because they were cheaper, but uh, I don't want negative points, so we'll... Uh, We'll go with Calgary there. In the old fantasy game, you used to be able to have massive games from your defense with, like, I. what I think they should do is they should combine defense and special teams. Yeah. And, uh, include the kickers in there, too. I, uh, in a perfect world, that's what I would like to see. I'm actually in the quarterfinals of the CFL Podcast Fantasy League. I've got Safamod from uh, Piffle's podcast. We'll see how he does. Uh, this week, hopefully terribly, but uh, <laughs> good luck to Saf. As far as picking the winners go, week 17, Sheldon in the CFL this week has the Winnipeg Blue Bombers hosting the Toronto Argonauts. It has the BC Lions hosting the Riders, the Red Blacks hosting the Alouettes, and the Ticats hosting the Stampeders. Very quickly, Toronto resting, guys. I'm taking Winnipeg. BC wanting to stay in the race for first. I'm taking the Lions, taking the Alouettes to win on the road in Ottawa, and I'm taking the Ticats to win at home against the Stampeders. Who do you got? The same. So exciting. This is riveting. (laughs) I don't blame you. Like, there may be an upset somewhere. Uh, If maybe Calgary beats Hamilton, uh, I don't see it, but... That's probably the only thing that I could see happening other than what we've already picked here. Which means we're probably either going one and three or two and two (laughs) in uh, week 17. Uh, You can rate, review, and subscribe to Two and Out on your favorite podcatcher. You can like, comment on uh, YouTube as well. This is incredible. Theodore King is a relatively uh, regular commenter on uh, the two and out YouTube and uh, he's been away recently, but yesterday he was commenting on like four episodes, like the guys on a two and out binge, which I appreciate, but I also wonder what is going on in your life. My man, (laughs) I appreciate it. (laughs) You can uh, support two and out on Patreon as well. We'll talk to you on Monday to wrap up what's sure to be probably some crazy happenings in week 17. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.